with my soul. I hope it's well with yours. All right. Uh, good job, Faith. Thank you for that. Well, this time, uh, if you would take your Bible and turn to for, uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter number one, first Colossians. There's only one Colossians. I think I did that last time, too. Um, Colossians 1, and uh, we'll be looking in verses uh, 12 through 14 uh, tonight, Colossians chapter 1, 12 through 14. If you're able to stand one more time together, uh, we'll read these verses, pray, and then I'll let you be seated and we'll get started. Lord, uh, I don't want to pray just yet, I want to read first. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 12, Uh, Paul says this, uh, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And now let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the day. Thank you again for the opportunity to study your word. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would Open our hearts and help us to have a full understanding, at least a better understanding of what your word has to say here in these two verse, these three verses. And that, uh, Lord, we would uh, take these thoughts and, and uh, may they uh, change the way that we behave this week. And uh, may we live differently because of these uh, thoughts, that uh, these truths that uh, we find in these three precious verses. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. We're back on now. Well, sometimes our lives can be radically changed in just a moment. I know many people whose lives were radically changed in a moment because of an accident or perhaps even a disease or a phone call. Um, Others were changed due to something else that I can't think of. Um, Maybe yours changed in just a simple moment. Well, for those of us who have been saved, our, our lives, not just our lives here on earth, but our whole eternal uh, existence uh, changed in a moment, the moment that we got saved. And salvation is a wonderful miracle that happens in just a moment. For me, it was when I was 12 years old on Christmas night when I bowed my head and trusted Christ as my personal Savior there at 806 East Lansford Street in Lancaster, California, on Christmas night, 1988. And uh, that was a special day. And that was a wonderful, wonderful day. It was a day I will never forget. You see, after I'd wandered in darkness away, uh, Jesus, my Savior, I met. And oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. His shadows dispelling, and with joy I'm telling, he made all the darkness depart. And that's when heaven came down and glory filled my soul. You see, when at the cross, my Savior made me whole, my, my sins were washed away and my night, oh, that was turned to day. When heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Do you remember that day? If you can't remember that day or that moment in your life when your eternal address was changed from hell to heaven, um, I want to encourage you to make that decision today and Let today be that day for you where your entire eternal uh, existence changes in a moment. What a moment. 
But in that moment, there were actually several things that happened in that one moment. Several miracles that God did in each of our lives when we repented and believed the gospel and trusted Christ as our Savior. And Paul, in these three verses, mentions five of them. And tonight, I want to take just a brief look at each of these precious miracles uh, that takes place in that special that took place in that special moment in each person's lives when they were saved. And so tonight we're going to look at five miracles in a moment. Well, what are they? What does God do when someone believes on Christ? Well, first of all, I want to notice here in verse number twelve that at the moment of salvation, one miracle that took place is we were enabled. We were enabled. In verse number twelve. Uh, Paul says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You see, in that moment of salvation, the Bible tells us that God made us meet. Okay, He doesn't make us like ribeyes or tri-tip or anything like that. That's not the type of meat we're talking about, obviously. Um, what, what, what the word meet means to me, made fit, to be qualified. So in that moment of salvation, God made us fit or qualified to be partakers of his inheritance. I was thinking about some rich guys here in this world, and uh, two guys come to mind. Uh, Jeff Bezos, the former CEO of Amazon, is worth, according to what I looked at, according to Google, uh, is worth... 171.4 billion, that's with a B, dollars right now. Imagine being his son and in his will to receive an inheritance. That would be pretty nice, wouldn't it? Um, Or what about Elon Musk, who's worth, I said Jeff Bezos was worth 171 billion. Elon Musk is worth 229.1 billion dollars. Uh, right now. So imagine being one of their sons and being an heir to their immense fortune. That would absolutely be uh, something. But actually, as believers, as believers, we have a much richer father, don't we? Uh, Much richer. You see, our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mind. In fact, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Paul talks about this inheritance that we have as believers. Romans 8 and verse number 17, he says, If we're children, if we are children of God, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And Paul mentioned in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, he says, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Oh, it's great to know that uh, we, are, we are heirs of, uh, of the Lord and uh, we are joint heirs with Christ. Peter talked about this inheritance too, and I like what he had to say. He said in 1 Peter 1 and verse number 4 that we have an inheritance that is incorruptible. Okay, now I don't know that any type of any, uh, well, I imagine that there would be an uh, economic crash that could ruin Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos and their whole fortune would disappear. And, you know, if you were one of his 
uh, heirs that would be like, no, all that money gone. See, with the Lord, we have an inheritance that's incorruptible. And next it says it's undefiled and fadeth not away. It's never going to fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for you. And I'm thankful for the fact that at the moment of my salvation, he enabled me to be partakers of that inheritance. And he didn't do that just for me. He did that for you, too. So Paul uh, mentions here first that one of the wonderful miracles that takes place in that moment is the fact that we become heirs of God. We have this inheritance of the saints in light. Okay, so that's the first miracle that takes place in a moment. What's the second one that he mentions? Verse number 13, in the first part of that verse, he mentions that we were delivered. In that moment of salvation, we were enabled, but we were also delivered. In verse 13, it says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Okay, we mentioned Jeff Bezos and we mentioned Amazon. How many Amazon Prime users do we have here tonight? Okay, how many of you order too much Amazon? Okay, and you need to go see someone to get that resolved. Okay, now you like your little Amazon addiction, don't you? I know. And, uh, and I don't know, when, when, I, when I was reading this word delivered, I don't know, that's, this just came to my mind. Because uh, I had some packages that just got delivered when I was studying for this. And, and um, you know, maybe, maybe you hear, when you hear the word delivered, you immediately think of getting a notification, maybe an email. Um, when, when we have, uh, when I have, like on Tuesdays when I'm, when I'm home, um, we'll, we'll get the guy drop off and, and he'll ring the doorbell and, and Abby will go bonkers and she'll bark and um, it's just big to do. And we get our Amazon box, and uh, it's, it's awesome. And so uh, that's what maybe what you think of, you know, getting, getting, getting that notification and the joy and excitement of uh, you feel when you get that brown box with the smile on it, you know, and you're like, I, what, what? I can't even remember what I ordered, but I'm just <laughs> glad to get something, you know, because <laughs> I've ordered so much stuff. And, um, and, and in our family, it's, it's Seth that's ordering things, and it's Julie that's ordering things, and I'm ordering things, and... And sometimes it's some of the other kids that are ordering things, and um, it's like, wow, whose is this? What what is this? And so you just get excited. Well, the word Paul uses here for the word delivered uh, gives the idea of something much more meaningful than just receiving a package uh, from uh, the Amazon deliverers, okay? And we've got a couple of them that go to church here. Um, so you may have gotten an Amazon uh, delivery from one of them. I think we have. And so anyway, uh, but the, Paul, the word Paul here uses for deliverance means something much more meaningful and dramatic. Here's what it means. It means to rescue from danger. And so here we were delivered, not as an Amazon box, but we were delivered from danger and God has rescued us. And boy, as we consider our condition as sinners, uh, we were absolutely in danger. We were in danger of dying in our sin and being separated from God forever in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Because those of us, uh, all of us in our sin, that's what we all deserve. And that was the danger we were all in. And if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you are in 
danger of dying in your sin and going to a place called hell and the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone forever and ever. That's the danger we were in. And there's not a one of us uh, tonight that could deliver ourselves from the danger we were in due, due to our sin. We were lost and undone and completely unable to help ourselves. But praise the Lord, at the moment of our salvation, we received the miracle of deliverance. We were rescued from danger. The psalmist said in Psalm 40, in verse number 2, he said, uh, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Remember when my wife and I were first dating, starting to kind of get to know each other, and, and uh, back, we, it was back in Bible college uh, days, and and uh, when I would write a, a note to her or, or a card or something like that, I would sign my name and I would, I would, it was kind of a cool like preacher boy thing to do to put your like favorite verse underneath your name, you know, to practice signing Bibles once you become a big shot preacher. Um, I never did become a big shot preacher, but that's okay. I was practicing when I was in Bible college. And uh, so I wrote my name and I signed my favorite verse. This verse really meant a lot to me at that, at that time. And and it was my favorite verse, Psalm 40 and verse 2. And so I would sign Eric, and then I would sign Psalm 40 and verse 2. And she, she looked at this verse, and she looked it up, and she was like, He brought me up out also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. She's like, that's an interesting verse. I mean, I've un I could understand, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We were talking about this in Sunday school, our favorite verses um, today. But... Um, but Psalm 40, verse 2, that just was a little curious to her. And so she went and showed her mom. And uh, she and her mom had this conversation like, what do you think he meant by this? She didn't know me super well at that time. And she's like, I wonder if this guy has some kind of real horrible criminal past, you know? He's <laughs> like, you know, maybe, maybe God saved him out of some type of like, you know, maybe he's a serial killer. I don't know. And. You know, maybe he just has this horrible, like, background that we don't know about that, you know, maybe we should ask him what, you know. And they had this conversation, and, and so they finally told me about this, and I'm like, no, I just think it's great that God brought us up out of the horrible. That's who we were as sinners. He delivered us. And, uh, but I realized I probably should pick a better verse if everybody thinks that, you know, I have some type of, like, uh, I've done time, you know. And uh, technically, I've been in prison. Uh, once when I was in sixth grade, we went on a field trip to the local jail, and they put us in a, in a jail cell, and then they closed it, and the, and, the, and the officer said, I never want to see you back here again. This is the last time I ever want to see you behind bars. And they opened the door and let us all out. <laughs> so technically, I've done a little time behind bars. Uh, but that was about, oh, we went, to, we went to Alcatraz, and they put us in solitary confinement, closed the door and, uh, for about 10 seconds, and that was enough for me. Um, so I've done some hard time, but that, that, that's about it. And yet as a sinner, as a sinner, all of us were in that horrible pit out of the, we were in a bunch of miry clay and it was quicksand and we were, we were sinking quick and, and we needed someone to bring us up out of that. And praise the Lord in that moment of salvation, Jesus did. He delivered us. And, uh, he said that in verse number 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. And Paul said that we were delivered 
uh, not just delivered, but we were delivered from the power of darkness. You see, uh, we, were, we were not only delivered from the eternal judgment we deserve, we were also set free from Satan's authority and from his minions. And this is huge. Uh, we talked about that this morning with the illustration of the, of the, the young man who had been, uh, the Lord cast out the unclean spirit of that, that demon. And uh, you and I, while we may not have been demon-possessed, we were still under Satan's authority at that point. So praise the Lord, he's delivered us. Charles Wesley was thankful for the miracle of deliverance and salvation, and he wrote about it in his beloved hymn, And Can It Be? And in one of the verses, stanzas of that song, he said, Long my imprisoned spirit lay. It was fast bound in sin and, and nature's night. But thine eye diffused a quickening ray, and I woke, and the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, and my heart was free, and I rose, and I went forth, and, and I followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? So we were delivered a, a miracle, five miracles in a moment. We were, first of all, enabled. Secondly, we were delivered. But thirdly, we were translated. Also in verse number 13, he says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The word translated here um, is often used in the sense of removing a people from one country to another. And as you think about the nation of Israel and the illustration there, look, just as God delivered the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt and brought them into the promised land, so the Lord delivered us from the bondage of our sin and Satan and then translated us into the blessed kingdom of his dear son, where Jesus, the lover of my soul, rules and reigns a much better kingdom than the one before. This past week uh, marked my four-year friendiversary uh, with Brother Randy. And I think he's doing a century tonight. Uh, but uh, four years ago, this past week, uh, Brother Randy and I conversed for the very first time. And uh, I was at that time in Helena, Montana, and and uh, I've shared the story how my wife and I were at a really nice uh, steakhouse, Silver Steak, Silver Star Steakhouse in, uh, in Helena, Montana. It was a Friday night. I was taking her out on a date. And I had my phone right here. And uh, we're, I'm sitting here, and she's across the table from me. And we're, um, we just ordered our, our food. And, and then all of a sudden, my, my phone lights up. And it's an Oklahoma number. I'm like, what in the world? Bad date etiquette, but I went like this. Hello, this is Eric. <laughs> Don't do that on a date, especially when you notice it's an Oklahoma number. Don't do that on a date, okay? <laughs> That's a really bad idea. Um, well, I did that. And he, sa he said, well, this is Randy from uh, Moore, Oklahoma. And he had his little Oklahoma accent. That was a really terrible one, but... Um, he has a little. He does it a little better than, than than I do. He does the Randy accent a little better than I do. And uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm looking. We're uh, we're 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 just a church out and more, and uh, we're we're on the search for a pastor." 
And uh, long story short, the Lord works in our lives, as you all know, and, and, uh, and, and made it very clear that we needed to move down here to Oklahoma. And so at one point, I was a citizen of Montana, but now I am a citizen of Oklahoma. And, and the reason I point that out is because, look, uh, you know, before I became a Christian, I was a citizen of this world, and I was a citizen uh, that was on my way to a place called hell. That's, that's who I was, and that's where I was headed. Uh, but then at the moment of my salvation, when I placed my faith in Christ, my citizenship immediately was changed uh, from this world to heaven, immediately. And so did yours. My eternal address changed in a moment. And I didn't have to go stand in line and do a bunch of paperwork or anything like that like I had to do here. <laughs> um, I didn't have to go get a new license. I didn't. It was all just in a moment, a miracle that took place. You see, we are now, as believers, citizens of heaven. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, in verse number 20, he said, For our conversation is in heaven. And uh, the, the idea of conversation here is more of citizenship. Um, our, our citizenship, our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in that moment of salvation, we were translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. And that's what happened. See, I didn't feel like that happened. I didn't feel it. I just, you know... Maybe you got saved when you were a child, maybe as an adult, and you're going, I didn't really feel like my whole eternal address changed in that moment. Well, it did. It did. And so he delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So uh, we were delivered and we were translated. Number four, what else happened in that moment of salvation? Well, number four, we were redeemed. Verse number 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Now the word re redeemed means to release a prisoner by the payment of, of a ransom. To release a prisoner by the payment of a ransom. It was about 150 years to the days before the Civil War. Could have been any one of the great cities of the South, like Savannah, Atlanta, Birmingham, Jackson, or New Orleans. As you approach the center of town, you hear a commotion as a crowd gathers for a public auction, and you gather round to watch the proceedings. The first thing you notice in the crowd is an uncouth, foul-mouthed, loud, boisterous man, who you know by reputation only as the meanest, cruelest, most hateful man around. You also notice in the crowd another man, who stands out for his dignity, his gentle mannerisms, and soft-spoken tone, and recognize him also by reputation as a very kind, a very gentle and gracious man. Well, both men, along with the crowd, wait for the auction to begin. Finally, the auctioneer steps to the podium and begins rattling his words as the first item to be sold is brought to the auction block. And there before you is a beautiful young black girl about 20 years of age. Her dress is old and torn, but clean and cared for. She is obviously filled with anxiety and fears and fear as the bidding begins. 
And from the outset, the loud, obnoxious man seems to have his evil, evil eyes set on this lovely, innocent young lady. She obviously knew of his reputation and cringed in fear as he opened the bidding. When the kind gentleman saw her fear, he too placed a bid. And soon, only these two men were involved in the bidding as the price of the girl rose higher and higher. And finally, the evil man bowed out of the bidding when he realized that the price of the girl was more than he was willing to pay. When the auctioneer closed the bidding, the kind gentleman paid the price for his purchase, was handed the bill of sale, and turned to leave. And the young girl started to follow her new master. Then he turned to her and asked, where are you going? Well, why, I'm going with you, she responded. You bought me, and I belong to you. Oh, you misunderstood, the man said. I didn't buy you to make you my slave. I bought you to set you free. Then he took the bill of the sale and wrote across in big block letters, F-R-E-E, signed his name, and gave it to the girl. I, I don't understand, the girl said. You mean I am free? Yes, you are free. I can go wherever I want and do as I please? Exactly. You are free. Mister, I don't know who you are, but no one has ever shown such love and kindness to me. And if I am free to do as I please, nothing would please me more than to go with you and serve you till the day I die. And that day, this girl went home with Abraham Lincoln, not as his slave, but as his willing servant. Now, I don't know for certain if that story is true or not. I'm told that it is. But whether or not it is, it's still a beautiful illustration of the redemption that we have in Christ. Because you and I were that girl. We were uh, on the auction block, and guess who was bidding for us? Oh, yes, old Lucifer, old smutty face himself. But then Jesus comes along and says, where, grace, where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. I'm going to pay the ultimate price. And he did on the cross for us, didn't he? And then he signs the bill of sale and says free and signed his name. And you and I don't have to go as his slave. We can go as his willing servant. We were redeemed. And that happened in a moment. And once again, we know that there was nothing we could do to redeem ourselves. In fact, Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We were redeemed. What are you going to do with that redemption? Are you going to go, well, I'm going to go do my own thing? Or are you going to say, no, I want to, it would please me, nothing would please me more than to serve you for the rest of my days. I hope that all of us would want to serve the Lord with the rest of our days. So praise the Lord. We were enabled to be uh, partakers of the inheritance. We were delivered 
from the power of darkness. We were translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. And, but yet there's one more. Number five, we were forgiven. We were forgiven. In verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And all of us had a lot of sins that were forgiven. Because you see, he not only forgave us of all the past sins in our lives, but also the ones that we would commit later on after our salvation. So the past, present, and future sins have all been forgiven, and they are all under the blood. Colossians 2 and verse 13, a verse that we'll look at in a little while during this series in just a few weeks. Colossians uh, 2 and verse 13 says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all, you all trespasses. He's forgiven you all trespasses. 1 John 2 and verse 12 says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Aren't you glad you have been forgiven? And he has just simply said, you know what? You don't need to pay for your sins anymore. They're all forgiven. They're all under the blood. I'm very glad for that for me. I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter number 18. We have been forgiven of much. And as a result... We need to forgive others of much as well. Matthew 18, look at verse number 21. Here comes Peter, Mr. Spiritual here. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall, I, uh, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? I mean, imagine if, um, if I went to Jaden and punched him in the nose once. And I say, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Will you forgive me, Jaden? You know, he's a, good, he's a good guy. He'll forgive me. And then about five minutes later, I'm, I go up to him and I punch him in the nose again. I said, hey, I'm really sorry. Would you forgive me? Probably. I go up to him a third time. And punch him in the nose. Hey, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? Um, I'm going to have to tell my mom about this one. <laughs> I'm telling my mommy on you. No, he might say, I, I'll forgive you. I'll, well, thanks, man. Three times. That's great. I do it a fourth time. He's probably going to want to swing back eventually, isn't he? He's going to see me coming, and he's going to be like, nope, not now. No more. I punch him in the nose the fourth time, the fifth time. You still forgive me? So when Peter says seven times, that's actually kind of commendable. That's actually a pretty high number. And, uh, you know, if somebody did something to me one time, yeah, I could probably forgive it. Two times? Hey, this is becoming a pattern. It's very difficult to... Consider being willing to forgive at that point. Three times, four times, seven times? So, again, Peter comes in with this pretty spiritual response compared to what we would naturally want to do. 
But then, of course, Jesus takes it to a whole new level in verse 22. I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So that means, Jaden, I get to punch you 490 times, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to actually punch you at all. Um, I think uh, Broomball kind of beat you up enough. <laughs> uh, we had a good time at Broomball on Friday night. But until 70 times 7, that's God's standard. To the point where you are you really going to keep track and you're like, okay, that's 400 and 489 one more time, and then I don't have to forgive you anymore. Or two more times, then I don't have to forgive you anymore. No, no one's going to count that long. But then he goes into a story, verse 23. Let's look at this very quickly. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Stop there for a quick second. This servant owed his master 10,000 talents. What is 10,000 talents, if we were to put that in modern day? Well, a talent is about 20 years of daily wages for a six-day work week. 20 years of daily wages. This guy owed him 10,000 talents. One talent is 20 years of daily wages. Today, one talent would be about $348,000. And that's, that's a low number. Uh, Jesus likens Peter and the disciples to unforgiving servants. And, and uh, well, let me, let me keep going here with this. Here, here's a visual of 10,000 talents. Picture a Chevrolet one-ton pickup truck. Now fill it with one ton of pure gold. And if you parked trucks bumper to bumper, the line would stretch 1.3 miles before you reached 10,000 talents. 375 tons of gold. Realize that 10,000 talents is actually 200,000 years of labor. It's 60 million working days. And in modern money, it is equal to about $3.48 billion. So this servant owes this guy about $3.5 billion. He says, uh, please have mercy upon me. Uh, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. He couldn't pay them all. There was no way he could pay them all. This was a debt he couldn't pay on it by himself. And so the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, and forgave him the debt. Verse 28, But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. A hundred pence, without going through all the math, I'll just cut to the bottom line, is a worth about, uh, in, in the average Moore, Oklahoma, average salary, uh, 100 pence would be equal to about $22,000 which is still an extensive debt. But this guy was 
forgiven of $3.5 billion worth of debt. And now someone owes him $22,000 worth of debt. What does he do? Verse number uh, 28, I owed him 100, 100 pence and he laid his hands on him. And I may need a helper here. Luke, come on up. <laughs> Don't read the rest of the verse yet, especially you. <laughs> okay, let's say that you're the one that owes me $22,000. It says, he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat and said, pay me what thou owest. I think I need to use two hands for this. <laughs> Pay me what you owest. <laughs> okay, and then here's what, here's what happens. His fellow servant fell down at his feet. This is kind of cool. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Again, again, again. <laughs> and besought him saying, have patience with me. Patience. And I will pay thee all. And I will pay thee all. Okay, verse 30 says, and he would not and went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So do we have an usher in here that can take him to prison? Okay, just kidding. You could be seated. Thank you, sir. Um, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou de desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? His Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother his trespass, their trespasses. Look at all of us are the one who owed a debt that we couldn't pay. We were the ones who owed the $3.5 billion to God because of our sin. Or, or beyond that. And yet the Lord looked down and said, Jesus paid it all. It's all done. We've been forgiven. The, the debt has been wiped clean. Wonderful. Okay, now... Someone comes into your life and hurts you. What do you do? I'm going to hold a grudge. I'm going to get bitter towards them. Now, then we become like the, that servant who doesn't, who's not willing to forgive someone for much less. Look, here's the point. How can we, who were forgiven of so much, choose not to forgive others for so little? Let me say that again. How can we, who were forgiven of so much, choose not to forgive others for so little? Let's have a forgiving spirit and not want to choke the people who hurt us. Because don't you remember what we did and what God did to forgive us of our sin? So we've been forgiven. And because of that, we need to forgive others as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. We were forgiven. So five wonderful miracles that happened in a moment. But if you would go back to Colossians chapter one, we're almost done. I look back in verse number 12. I didn't really focus in on it too much. 
But just before Paul gave us the list of these five miracles, Paul says here, giving thanks unto the Father. Look, I realize that things are tough right now outside of these walls. I know that. The war in Ukraine, the crazy rise in gas prices. That's a fun topic to talk about, isn't it? Terrible inflation, the extremely unstable economy, the apostasy going on around us. I get it. I'm tempted to be discouraged too. Here in these three short verses, we see five incredible miracles that took place in the matter of a moment. We were enabled. We were delivered. We were translated. We were redeemed. And praise the Lord, we were forgiven. We can be thankful for each of these miracles that happened in a moment. And for the fact that nothing will change what happened. Can't be undone. There is no undo button. No control Z, or if you're cool like me, no command Z on a Mac. Do we have any Mac users in here? Do we have any non-Mac users in here? Okay. Oh, boy, we need to really pray for our church. I didn't realize. So I guess to relate to my audience, no control Z. But look, these miracles are one and done in our lives, and it should cause us to give thanks unto the Father. So tonight, I want to encourage you to go home with a gratitude in your heart to God for what He has done in your life in that moment of salvation. That He has enabled us to be partakers of that inheritance of the saints in light. And that He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, that we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. But it should also do one more thing. Not only cause us to be thankful, but cause us to also want to tell others how they can receive these wonderful miracles in a moment as well. Because you see, it's not just for me. It's for anyone who places their faith in Christ. One more verse before I close tonight, if you would turn to Acts chapter number 26. And uh, we'll wrap it up with this verse tonight. Acts 26 and verse number 18. As the Apostle Paul is sharing his salvation testimony with King Agrippa, he describes not only how he became a Christian, but how the Lord gave him a mission, a purpose. And it's the same mission and purpose that that God's given to all of us as well. And here's what he says in Acts chapter 26 and verse 18. The the, the mission that God gave Paul and and the, the same mission that God's given to us as well. It says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God, that you may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. This is, this is almost like that little passage in Colossians uh, summed up into one verse here in verse number 18. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive uh, re- forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You see, these miracles uh, that uh, we talked about tonight aren't just for me. Therefore, my next door neighbor, too. They're meant for my co workers, too. They're meant for my dentist, too. 
They're meant for my hairstylist too. Okay, I don't actually have a hairstylist, but I'm assuming some of you do. They're designed for my family and friends as well, for the person who serves me food at the restaurant and for everyone else that I come in contact with. These miracles aren't just unique to me. They can be for anyone. And so uh, I want to encourage all of us tonight to go home thankful for what God has done in each of our lives. And if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, what are you waiting for? There's five miracles that we talked about that take place at the moment you trust Christ. And so if you're here and you're not saved, let's get saved. And, and if you here are saved, let's go home thankful for what God has done for us. And let's go home and determine to tell others about salvation so that they can experience the same miracles that you did. I'd like to end the service.